Good morning, Burning Bush Online. It's good to be in front of everybody today. You know, things kind of stink for our seniors this year, and I just want you to know that uh, my heart goes out to you. Uh, no proms, graduation date has been moved. Uh, those of you who play sports, you've looked forward to your whole life, to your senior year when your physical and skill development was at its top, and that's not going to happen, and you know, your senior trips. And I just want you to know that um, our heart goes out to you, and uh, we appreciate you. So this morning, I want to start out by asking you to do something. I want everybody to get out their cell phone. I am not naive enough to think that your cell phone is in a different room or that it's not on this morning. Some of you are probably multitasking as I speak. But I want to ask you not to do that for a few moments, but I want everybody to pull out their cell phones. Did you know, hold it in your hand, that you have more power in your cell phone than NASA did when they sent the first man to the moon. In your hand, you have more power than the first astronauts had when they went into space. I want to show you a picture, and we're using some uh, new technology today. We're going to see how it goes. But this is a picture of the first hard drive. That hard drive is about the size of two refrigerators, it weighs thousands of pounds, and that great big hard drive holds about five megabytes of storage. Now, if you're not sure how much that is, five megabytes would be approximately uh, two really high-quality pictures or a very large Word document or about a 10-minute audio file. That's all that massive hard drive held. In your phone, even if you have a cheapy phone, you have a thousand times that amount in storage at least. If you have a more expensive phone with lots of storage, you probably have 10,000 times that amount of storage just in your phone. You don't have any idea probably how much power you carry around in your pocket and in your purse. And perhaps that's why Time Magazine in 2007 called the iPhone the invention of the year. I believe that the smartphone is the most revolutionary invention there has ever been. It has changed behavior. Nothing else comes close. Not the wheel, not the tire, not the steam engine, not the automobile. Nothing comes close to this invention. Think about a car. I mean, you can do what? Maybe 20 things with your car? If you have an older car, maybe 10 things? But you literally can do thousands of things with this device. Besides the fact that it's an obvious communication com communication component. It's a travel device. You can go places with your GPS. It's a music device. You can listen to music. It's an entertainment device. You can play video games. You can watch things, watch videos. It's a research device. You can surf the internet. It's a health device. They have lots of apps now that help monitor your blood pressure, your heart rate. And this week I, I read this that they're actually experimenting with an app that can tell you if you have COVID-19 symptoms and, and encourage you to go to a doctor. So there are all kinds of things you can do with this device. 
Once they put a computer in our phones, it changed everything. You know, I'm guessing there are millions, maybe a billion people that have a computer. But there are billions of people that have this device. You don't live the same way that you lived before, before this device. We used to listen to our phones. Now we look at our phones. In fact, I am taking a picture of the auditorium as we speak so you can see what it looks like to preach in just front of a few band people, just basically an empty auditorium. And I'll see if we can get this posted on our Facebook page later. But we, we're different with our phones. We look instead of just here. I want to show you some images this morning. So this first image here, the, I want you to watch these people crossing the intersection. I want you to notice hardly anybody is looking up. Almost everybody is looking down at their phone. You ever seen an image like that? I mean, we see it probably all the time. There's another picture I want to show you. These people are on their way to work. They're in a subway. And the reason I picked this story is because I want to uh, share with you, or this picture, I want to share with you the story behind it. So you, you don't see it here, but it's on their security footage this particular morning. These guys were on their way to work. The subway's full of people going to work. And a person comes on the train, and once the, the subway starts moving, he pulls out a gun to rob people. And everybody is so engrossed in their phone that nobody notices them. It, like he can't get anybody's attention. So he puts his gun back in his jacket pocket. Minutes later, he pulls it out again. And again, nobody pays him any attention. Like nobody jumps up and goes, he's got a gun! Nobody does that. They just ignore him. So he sticks his gun back in his pocket. A few minutes later, a third time, he pulls out his gun, trying to rob these people, and nobody pays any attention. He puts the gun back in his jacket and gets off at the next stop. We are so distracted, we can't even be robbed. Isn't that crazy? So here's another picture I want to show you. Typical family meal. Welcome to 21st century America, where everybody is looking at their screens during mealtime. Or how about watching TV? We watch TV, but we also look at all our screen devices at the same time. Like, you don't want to get bored during the commercials, right? So you got to have another device that you can be looking at when the, the commercials come on. So even when we're watching one screen, we have to have other screens in front of us. Let me ask you a question. You can answer this at home. I hope you'll do amongst whoever you're sitting with. How many times a day do you think the average person looks at their cell phone? Just, I'll give you just a couple seconds. Answer it wherever you're at, your living room, kitchen, wherever. The answer is, we look at this device 80 times a day. That doesn't mean we send out 80 texts, because some of you send out more and some of you send out less. But 80 times a day, we pick up our phone to look at it. The younger you are, the more time you spend. So here's what, what we want to do this morning. We're in this series talking to your kids about the important stuff. I want to talk about what does it mean to be a disciple in the digital age. And obviously, there's great implications for our families this morning. 
But this has implications for all of us because we're all disciples in a digital age. I ran across another, uh, this is like a meme. Somebody's kid asked him what it was like to grow up in the 80s. And this is what they said. My kids asked me what it was like growing up in the 80s, so I took their phones away and turned off the internet. And those of you who grew up in the 80s, that's true, right? I mean, that's exactly true. So if we're going to spend that much time looking at screens and doing things on screens, there's a spiritual side of this too. And I want to look at two aspects this morning. One, I want us to think about the positive things, the positive implications of smartphones and digital technology. And then the second, I want to look at the negative parts, the negative side of cell phones and digital technology. And so I'm going to just kind of jump in to that negative part this morning, or I want to call it this, the hazards of digital technology. There's six of them that I'd like to share with you, and this is not a comprehensive list, of course, this morning. But the first one is this. Six hazards that you need to be aware of because you carry this around with you in your pocket, in your purse all the time, is I can waste precious time. Everybody agree with that? Yeah, like it's really easy to pick this up and just waste away some time really fast. Here's the deal. Time is your most precious commodity. All of us have a limited amount of time. The average person lives 27,365 days. Just to give you a little bit of perspective, if you are 27 years old, 10,000 of those days are already gone. If you're my age, there's a whole lot more days that are already gone. And you can't get time back. You know, there's a lot of life you can do over. There are, you know, you can get more energy and you can get more money. But none of us can get more time. You can't create more time. So in some ways, life management is all about time management. I want to share a passage of scripture with you in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. It says, be careful how you live. Don't live foolishly. Instead, live as wise people, making every minute count, because these are evil times. I want you to notice that five-word phrase there that's in the blue. Be careful how you live. Do you know what that phrase means? When we think of careful in, in today's vernacular, I think we think of, you know, like, be careful where you go. That's kind of a bad part of town. Be careful, don't fall. The floor's wet. Be careful who you're around right now. Don't get exposed too often, you know, with the COVID-19. That's the way we think of the word careful today. But the Greek word for careful there is kind of the opposite. It means careless. And so what it's saying is, don't be careless with your time. Make your time purposeful. Make your time count. Be intentional with your time. So Paul is saying, don't be careless with your life. Be careful. Be intentional. So let me ask you another question. I ask you how many times you think the average person looks at this. How much time do you think the average person spends on a smartphone during a day? 
3.4 hours. So that means for most of us, that's about 25 hours a week. If you're a teenager, the average is five to seven hours. That's 35 to 49 hours per week, parents, that your child, your teenager is spending on this device. So if you take the average number of hours that the average person spends, and you take the number of days that the average person lives, you are going to come up with the fact that the average person is going to spend 11 total years of their life on their smartphones. And that doesn't count other devices. That doesn't count computers. That doesn't count television. That doesn't count video games. 11 years of your life you will spend on your phone. Now that doesn't mean it's all wrong. Spending time on your phone is wrong. That, we're not saying that this morning. I'm just saying, is it a wise use of your time the way you're spending it on your phone? You know, it's not a sin to get your phone out and spend five hours watching kitty cat videos. That, that, that's not a sin. It's not wicked. It's not evil. You can lay in bed at night. I like that video. I don't like that one. Ooh, that one's funny. You can do that. You can go to clickbaits and just click on one after the other. But it is a smart way to use your time. Is, is, is that smart? It's not that they're wrong, but are they necessary? You know, if evolution were true, you know what, be, what we would look like in 100 years? We would have giant thumbs, wouldn't we? I mean, like, we'd have these great big oversized thumbs and probably little bitty hands. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11 says this. Only a fool idles away his time. Be careful how you spend your time. You've only got so much of it. Second hazard is this. I can be seduced by the world's values. I can be seduced by the world's values because the internet, because our, our smartphones, social media, they amplify stuff that is not important. And they make it seem really, really important. And you know the world's value system, and that's what's promoted on this for the most part, and on the internet, and on our televisions. The world value system is about telling us how to think, what to buy, what's cool, what's not cool, how to feel, what's hip, what's not hip. And the world is constantly shouting at us through technology, through our smartphones, through the internet, through television. And here's the thing. If you watch it long enough, you're going to begin to copy it. And you're going to begin to believe what the world's value system is. And it's going to begin to tell you how to think and how to feel and how to dress and what you should act like. And that's why the Bible tells us in Romans 12 too, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't copy the behaviors. Don't copy the customs of the world is what this verse is telling us. You know, it's fascinating to me that the Bible tells us to love people and not like the value system of the world or not to conform to the value system of the world 
But I think a lot of times Christians, we get it backwards. We don't like people, but we love the value system of the world. And a lot of times you can't tell any difference between a Christian's behavior and a non-Christian's behavior. We kind of get it backwards. The world tells us, well, only the beautiful matter. You know, if you're beautiful and thin, big and strong, then you're an important person. Well, the wealthiest are the people that count. The smartest people are the ones that count. That's what the world system communicates to us. Is it any wonder that so many teenagers and children struggle with their identity and adults too? Because they're trying to buy into that system and they don't fit. I'm not the most beautiful person. I'm not the smartest person. I'm not the most athletic. And we struggle with that because we're buying into the world system. And that's what we don't need to do. You know, previous generations didn't have to worry about these kind of things. I mean, they worried about it and it was a temptation, but they didn't carry it with them all the time. Third hazard is this. I can be drawn into unproductive arguments. Yeah, we're talking now, aren't we? Anybody, anybody there? We stepping on some toes now? Tell me if this ever happens on social media. Have you ever heard someone say something outrageous and then you just get offended really quick? And you think to yourself, I need to straighten them out. Somebody needs to straighten them out. And obviously nobody else does. I'm going to share some facts with them and I'm going to let them know how wrong they are. And you read stuff online and you go, that is so wrong. That's just not right. And you attack. Or maybe you don't call it attacking. You're just going to tell them in brotherly love. And like how often do you really change somebody's mind? Like never, right? Like we get in these arguments and we hurt people's feelings and it kind of goes back to what we talked about last week. When you're offensive, you just make people defensive. When you get like that, you're abrasive and you're not going to change anybody's mind. Don't respond to those kinds of arguments. Now, you might think the Bible doesn't say anything about this. Listen to Titus chapter 3, verse 9. Never get involved in foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. I want you to notice that word over there in blue, the word never. Do you know what that word means in the Greek? Never. The exact same thing. It means never. So in this passage, we're being told, don't get involved in foolish arguments. Don't be getting involved in genealogies. Don't be getting involved in, 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 in ethnic kind of arguments. Don't be getting involved in racist kind of arguments. Don't be in, getting involved in, in family pedigree. It also says, don't get in arguments and quarrels about the law. When he says law there, he's talking about scripture, Old Testament law specifically is what he's is, is dealing with, but it would include all of scripture today. He says, don't argue with people about scripture. Why? He says, because it's pointless. It's useless. Don't do those kinds of things. So he's not just addressing the office or school or something. It applies to the internet too. Don't get involved in senseless arguments on the internet or fights. What does God say to do with these kinds of people? Over in Proverbs chapter 26 verse 4. Don't answer their foolish arguments or you will become as foolish as they are. 
In other words, you're going to look just as dumb as they are if you engage in these types of arguments. And we spend all of this time worrying about what other people think, and sometimes they're complete strangers to us. Who is it that we really should be paying attention to what some, a person thinks about us? Shouldn't we really care more about what God thinks? Over in the book of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 36. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Every empty word. All of us are going to have to give an account for everything we say. And that includes things that we put on the internet too. We have to answer to God someday for that. Now you would think, right? That that would be enough to kind of muzzle our mouth. And you would, but how about the fact that everything that you put on the internet is also permanent? Like everything that you say is always going to be there. Even if you delete it, there's a good chance that somebody's already captured it. And so maybe you're a ninth, 10th, 11th grade and you're mad at somebody and you're just going to pop off at them. That's going to be there forever. And 10 years from now, you're going to be applying for a job and a potential employer is going to look up your social media because that's what employers do now. They are all about seeing the real you by looking at your social media. And they start coming across that kind of stuff and they say, nope, we don't want this person. Or 40 years from now, you're going to be at a Senate hearing and somebody's going to bring that up and show a picture. I'm sure you guys are aware of some of the pictures and things that have showed up from people when they took when they were young and, it, and it's caused them a great deal of harm in their adult life. We're accountable to God, but just the fact that it's going to always be out there is a good reason to zip the lip. Another hazard of digital technology. I can be tempted to compete and show off. You know, for the most part, we always want to put ourselves in the best light when we put stuff on our social media sites. We want to, you know, give the impression that we've got it all together, and it doesn't matter which of the, the sites you use. That's, that's kind of true. We just want to put our best foot forward. You know, most of you probably never post a picture of yourself first thing in the morning when you get out of bed. You're probably not posting a whole lot of pictures of your house with, with laundry in the corner and, and a messy table and things of that nature. In fact... Instagram did a study. What percentage, again, you can answer this in your living room or wherever you're at this morning, what percentage of pictures do you think Instagram estimates are Photoshopped? Just, just trade it off in your living room there. Instagram estimates that 50% of all the pictures that appear on Instagram are Photoshopped in some way. In other words, they're not reality. They're not real. They are what people want to portray. Look how cool I am. Look how smart I am. Look how much money I have. Look how happy I am. Look how fun I am. Look how great my marriage. Look at how smart my kids are. Look at how much I'm loved. That's what we want to put out there. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against pictures. I'm not against putting stuff out. I'm just saying, let's check our motives. If pride is the motive, you know, that, that's just not healthy. Now, there can be a good pride, and there can be very positive things, and I love looking at people's pictures as much as anybody else, and I love seeing what my grandkids and all them, them what they are doing. But if you're just putting it out there to kind of build yourself up, 
That's a different story. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So how many times do we kind of promote ourselves? But God says, you know what? Let me promote you. You be humble, and I'll promote you. Notice that term there in blue again, those, those three words. Lift you up. Who's going to promote you better? Yourself or God? I'm thinking if I want to be promoted, I want to let God do that. Let God do the promoting. Our job is, is to be humble. Just a couple more this morning. Number five, I can get addicted to the approval of others. What makes social media so addicting? Why is it that we're picking it up 80 times a day? Don't tell me it's not addictive. Don't tell me video games are not addictive. Why are we always looking at them? Why are we always wanting to do it? Well, there's a science behind social media. Basically, everybody wants the approval of other people. So we post something on, you know, our Facebook page or whatever, and then we wait to see if the likes come. Is anybody going to like it? Is anybody like me? Ding! Oh, I got a like. Ding, ding, ding! I got four likes now. And when that happens, what literally scientists tell us is you get a dopamine rush. It's a chemical that makes you feel good about yourself. It's the same thing that happens when they, they experiment with rats with cocaine. And rats will go back to the cocaine constantly because it gives them a dopamine rush. That's the way drugs in general work. Well, social media kind of works the same way. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, I got nine likes. And you begin to feel good about yourself. But here's the thing. Those people might be strangers that don't even know you. They might not even speak the same language as you do. They might be a bot. But whatever the reason is, we get more interested in the opinions of other people than we do the people that are around us, our family and, and the people that really matter. And we ignore other people for the people on our screen. I want to show you a couple of cartoons this morning. I thought these were really good. Do you mind if I, I guess she's talking to her boyfriend there, or husband. Do you mind if I strap your phone to my forehead so I can pretend you're looking at me when I talk? Ouch. I bet there's some spouses this morning that feel that way. How about this other one? Here's another one. Cell phones bring you closer to a person far from you, but it takes you away from the one sitting next to you. There's some real spiritual truths in that you can be sitting at a table with your family you can be having dinner you can be out doing something with your family and sometimes you're more interested in what a stranger thinks or what a stranger's opinion is than you are in your in your own family and if you're going to spend 11 years of your life doing that it is not going to be very good for your relationships let me share another scripture with you galatians chapter 1 verse 10 Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So you have to make a choice, Paul is telling us. Are you going to be a people pleaser or are you going to be a God pleaser? You kind of have to choose that. And you know, most of the people that we're trying to get an approval from 
through our cell phones, smartphones, our, 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 our social media sites. They have no interest whatsoever in our faith. So don't let public opinion decide what you believe. Don't let public opinion decide how you act. Don't let public opinion decide how you feel. Over in the book of Ecclesiastes, he puts it very, very succinctly. Don't pay attention to everything people say. You know, that might be something you need to take a piece of tape and put it on the back of your phone. Don't pay attention to everything that people say. You know, Wired Magazine, which is a kind of a tech magazine, they had a fascinating article that a guy wrote kind of defending that the internet and video games and smartphones and all those kind of things aren't the least bit addictive. And I thought that was interesting because what, what planet do you live on to think that if you just observe people? And so I kind of looked around a little bit to get a little bit more knowledge about the author, and I discovered that he had actually wrote a book. And the book, the title of the book is Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. And so basically it's a book about marketing. And this is a quote. The vast majority of the population now carry around with them a device that triggers their attention. Businesses and services can get them thinking or acting in desired ways around the clock. So the same guy that says they're not addicting, he's kind of hypocritical here, the guy that wrote that article, also write, oh, excuse me. Hello? Hey, uh, you know I'm preaching right now. You know what time of day it is? Excuse me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know the Dallas Cowboys had a really good draft. It was an A-plus draft, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I can't talk right now, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you. No, not, not, not right now. No, no, no. Can't talk. Bye. So that brings me to my next point. Phones can be distracting, can't they? Can they not? And how many times do we make them too important? They distract us anytime and anywhere. We allow them to interrupt meals and conversations and study time, prayer time, recreation, dates. And even sermons sometimes. Probably not me most time. Probably you every week, I bet. Like I said, I'm not naive enough to believe that y'all just all put your phones in the bedrooms and leave them there while you're watching our morning services. But if you pick this up, I'm serious now, every time it rings or dings, then you're valuing this than whoever you're having a conversation with or whatever else is going on in your life. If you are just constantly picking this up. You know, folks get mad at me sometimes, Eddie Boland, because I don't always pick up and answer my phone or text when somebody answer a text immediately. Listen, I have, I'm not talking to Eddie now, I'm just talking in general. Listen, I have a life. I don't carry this thing around with me all the time. And even if I do have it with me, sometimes I look and if I think it's on my day off or in the evening or something, and I don't think it's an emergency, then I'm going to catch up to it later in the day. Because you have to ask yourself the question, who's the master? Is this the master of your life or are you the master of your life? Who's the tool and who's the user of the tool? Who's the owner of the 
of the phone. If this can interrupt you anytime, anywhere, then it's running your life. And it's going to distract you from what is most important. You know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus. And I want to just revisit that story for just a moment because I think there's a, a very important application for us this morning. So the story goes, you may remember that Jesus had these friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Lazarus was sick, and so they sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was going to die. Jesus, can you hurry up and get here? And Jesus is only about a half a day's, away, half a day's walk away, but it takes him three days to get there. And he's doing miracles and doing his thing on the way there. And when he finally gets there, Lazarus has died. And, of course, they're upset about it. But it tells us in Luke chapter 10, verse 39, it tells us that she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So she refers to Martha here. And so when Jesus finally arrives, Lazarus is dead. Martha's busying herself making a meal and all those kinds of preparational kind of things. Mary just sits down and she just listens to what Jesus has to say. Think about that. That's what we need to do every day. We need to sit down every day. It's called a quiet time. Jesus, what do you have to say to me? God, what do you want me to learn today? That's what Mary did. She set aside all the stuff that needed to be done. And you know, we all have stuff that needs to be done. But she set aside some time to find out what Jesus had to say. Martha's distracted. She's busy. She starts complaining to Jesus. Hey, I'm not getting any help. And you can almost hear Jesus when he says, Martha, Martha, Martha. You're so worried and you're so distracted by everything. There's only one thing that is important, and Mary chose it. Do you have an opportunity to look at your phone and social media and screens or whatever? 3.4 hours a day, the average person is looking at this. How much time are you spending listening to Jesus? Because I'll be honest with you, I don't know anybody that spends 3.4 hours a day talking with Jesus. I'm not saying you have to do that. But I am suggesting this morning that we spend some time speaking with Jesus every day. If you're spending that kind of time on your phone and you're not spending any time with God, maybe some realignment needs to take place in your life. Maybe there's some priorities that have gotten out of whack. Because you can be easily distracted from what's really important. Real quickly, I've talked about the negatives, and I'm obviously not saying that we all need to take a sledgehammer to our phones. That's not what I'm saying. There are some wonderful things that we can do with digital technology, with our phones, with computers. And I'm just going to talk for a few moments. I'll kind of condense it. But I want to talk about some things that we can do very positively for the glory of God using our smartphones and digital technology. First... You can use it to enhance your spiritual growth. You know, there are so many apps out there. There are so many websites with Bible studies and challenging devotions and devotions that make you think. Just all kinds of resources out there where you can help yourself grow on a spiritual level. You know, I talk to a lot of people that kind of indicate that they struggle with spiritual growth. 
And I've often found that the reason that is, is because a lot of people, they treat their spiritual growth like a once a week meal. In other words, it's like they come to church on Sunday and they, and they hear a message and then the rest of the week they never think about opening their Bible or hear anything else that God might want to say to them. So it would be the equivalent of eating a big meal on Sunday and then never eating again till the following Sunday. You wouldn't be very healthy physically, would you? Well, the same thing goes for spiritually. If you're feeding yourself once a week, you're not going to be that spiritually healthy. You've got to get into the Word for yourself. It doesn't have to be long and drawn out, and there's lots of different ways to do it, and there's lots of uh, applications and apps and stuff on our phones to help us do that that is great. So you can enhance your spiritual growth that way. You can also do like we're doing this morning. What would we do if this would have been 15 years ago when we were in the middle of this pandemic without the technology that is available for us to do worship like we are today that, that helps us in our spiritual growth. And I am so grateful for our tech people, the, the folks here that understand all of this technology and they're here giving of their time and, and helping us put on these uh, uh, online services every week, our musicians who are showing up and spacing out six feet and, and, and being here every week. Technology can be a wonderful thing to help us grow. Number two, you can also use it to encourage fellowship and connection with other people. Just like you can break the connection with people by using your smartphones, you can also make connections with your smartphones. Over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Jesus says, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up. We talked about that last week in Ephesians Chapter 4, too, the building up of each other. Just as, in fact, you are doing. And, you know, he talks about the Thess Thessalonians, that some of them are really good at building each other up. And I know that we have folks in our church that you totally get this. I, I see your post, and I hear about your post, and, and you totally understand how you can build other people up. Not everybody's doing that, but it's, it's a great opportunity. And if you're ever having a bad day, you can pick this little device up and call somebody and it'll be amazing how it will encourage you and change your day. Instead of just feeling sorry for yourself and wallowing in your pity, pick up a phone and go encourage somebody else and you'll be amazed what God does in your life. And all of you that are doing what the Thessalonians were doing, keep it up. Everybody needs encouragement. Third purpose, I can use it to expand my ministry it's a place where I can serve others. Jesus said he didn't come to serve, didn't come to be served, but to serve. So social media can be a place where you can serve other people. You can give back through social media. You can learn something on a website and share it with somebody else. You can look things up and share it with other people. You can find out how to pray for people. You can find out about people's needs. There are so many things that you can do. Social media can be a huge platform for ministry. And you know what? Just like you're doing today, probably in your comfortable clothes, maybe in your pajamas, you can minister to people around the world from your living room, from your bedroom, sitting in your pajamas. No other generation has ever had that opportunity. It's a great blessing but it's also an incredible responsibility. No other Christians have ever been able to do that. I'm going to close with this uh, story I read. 
It was about Rick Warren, who is a pastor out in California, and John Piper, who is a pastor up in Minnesota. They're both very humble guys. And they had come together to do a funeral. And they were on the stage, and I guess the funeral maybe hadn't started yet, and they were just sitting next to each other. And this was when Twitter had just kind of come out. And John Piper, this older, very humble gentleman, leans over to Rick Warren and goes, I'm on Twitter. And Rick looks at him and he's like, that's the most narcissistic thing I've ever heard of. Why would you do that? And John Piper said, so I can mentor people. And Rick Warren said, ding, ding, ding. I can do that too. So there are all types of positive things. I've only mentioned three, but if you start thinking about it, they all have tentacles that go in all kinds of directions. So here's kind of your homework today. Just pick one of those six things that I've mentioned this morning. Which one is an area that maybe you need to do a little bit of realignment with? And then of the three that I've talked about this morning, which of those today could you do something? Encourage somebody, whatever it is. You know, look up a website or something. But whatever it is, I want to encourage you to do those two things this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and... Father, we thank you for your word, and Father, we just thank you for the way that your word touches so many areas of our life. Father, we do thank you for technology, and Father, when, when we can manage it, it's, it's a wonderful tool. I thank you for people that fully understand this, and Father, give of themselves. I thank you for uh, all the people here that uh, make this happen every week. Father, I just, I just want to stop and ask us all to kind of evaluate what we're doing with digital technology. Father, if we got it out of balance, do we need to kind of realign some things? Father, if that's the case, I ask that you speak to those of us who are up here on the stage today as well as those that are in other places watching. Pray all these things in Jesus' name.